Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. All right, welcome to church, everybody. Welcome to Ocean Hills. Come on and stand on up if you can. Church. If you need to move around because someone's too tall in front of you, do that. That's fine. Or if you need to move on around in general, just move around. But no football. No, but no football. (laughs) I know. Some of you guys are like, dang. Okay. Um, Welcome, guys. We're going to sing some songs to Jesus today. And just... I encourage you, like last week, I think it was last week, Casey encouraged us, be, be free a little bit. We have extra space. You can make space. You can be free with your hands. You can lift them up if you want. You can do one of these. Do one of these. Uh, for me, I feel like when I am worshiping and I lift up my hands, something different happens in me. Like I just, the posture of my life is like, God, you're above me. And then it's like I get to embody the thing that I believe. And it somehow sinks a little bit deeper in me. That's just how it is for me. Maybe it's not for you, but feel free to. Be free with your hands or, you know, chill pockets, whatever you want to do. Welcome, guys. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are so welcome here. Yeah, good. They might not know, so let's do it. Thank you. 
grateful. We're so grateful to be in this space together to be as our Ocean Hills family and all the new people we get to meet and welcome in and the people who've been here forever that we get to say, yes, let's keep walking alongside each other. We're just so grateful we get to be part of this community. Pray you draw us together as we, even as we sing, unite our hearts, unite our minds we would be one in you, Jesus. We would keep our eyes fixed on you and what you have for us.
my words fall short I've got nothing new How could I express All my gratitude I could sing these songs As I often do Every song must end And you never do So I'll throw up my hands Praise you again and again All that I have is a hallelujah
space we can set aside for you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. I want to dismiss the kids from K through 4th right now, so you guys can go ahead over. Your teachers are waiting for you. And let me just pray for you as you go. God, thank you for our children. Thank you for the way you love them so much. Thank you for the leaders that are pouring their lives into uh, this, these mornings on Sundays, teaching our kids about who you are and how to interact with you and modeling uh, your love. So God, I pray that all of our kids would feel that this morning uh, and all of us would feel it this morning from each other. God, may your love abound in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Delaney Balsa, come on. Good morning, everyone. My name's Delaney and I work with the high schoolers here. And go ahead and have a seat. As people who are gathered together to seek God, we choose to remember today that our God is bigger and better than we think. Today, I am reminded that God hears us through the words of Psalm 116. I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. Join me in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you that we get to gather here together as a reminder that we are your body here and now. I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word today. Amen. Join me in welcoming to the stage Scott Lasea. <laughs> All right, join me, everybody. Okay. Well, we are in this uh, Nehemiah series, and I'm just thinking that rebuilding is definitely in the air. It's in the air in our neighborhood. Uh, I would live in the Hidden Valley neighborhood, and it's all about rebuilding. If you have a skateboard, you need to come to my neighborhood like immediately after church because they're finally done. After what seems like 10 years, everything is just butter. It's just in there. Like I'm, At the beginning of the pandemic, Reed and I decided, because I don't know why, we decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to ride 50 miles in our neighborhood and never leave. We almost got seasick just from going the same direction, but... Reed, I think if we did it now, we'd do it like at half the time because the roads are like butter. But the bike lane, the big bike lane on Modoc, anybody seeing that thing? Yeah, well, that's our neighborhood. Like at the very beginning of that, 
When's that thing gonna get done? Anybody? Please, if you work for the city, beg you, beg you, please finish that. Thank you. What's the deal? I don't see anybody working. There's, I feel like, remember in the pandemic, like the Chinese were building hospitals in a weekend. Can we not finish that bike lane, please? Thank you. I don't know what we're talking about today. Um, I just need to get that off my mind. All right. Rebuilding. So Nehemiah, here's a little history. So in 597, Jerusalem was sacked by the Babylonians. Everyone say, boo. Yeah, yeah, that was a bummer. And uh, that's why in Psalm 137, you get this song, by the waters, the waters of Babylon, we lay down and wept and wept for thee, Zion. We remember thee, remember thee, remember thee, Zion. (laughs) When I was a Young Life area director, we used to to sing that song. It's like a full-on dirge with high school kids that didn't know the Lord. We'd be like, by the waters, the waters of Babylon, we lay down and wept. I'm like, we got high school kids to sing that song. But then we would go right into a really fast version of blind man stood by the way and cried. So I don't know how that worked, but that's what was going on is that Jerusalem was sacked. And when I say sacked, it means they literally destroyed the city walls that protected the city. And this is a wall that's like average 20 feet high, average, I think, eight feet thick. Like this is a serious wall. And all the gates that you could lock and shut and shut out the bad guys, they burned them down, destroyed it all. So it left the whole city vulnerable. And we've heard this each week, probably, this, that Nehemiah gets wind of this. Nehemiah is sort of like Joseph was to the Pharaoh in Egypt way, way, way back. Nehemiah gets placed in this position of leadership and has a lot of favor with the Babylonian king. And word comes to Nehemiah that his hometown is sacked and in ruins and nobody's doing anything about it. And that's what leads to this great firsthand account story of Nehemiah, of him saying, hey, can I go and rebuild and, uh, and get people to do this? And, uh, and it got done, by the way, ahead of schedule. City of Santa Barbara, did you hear that? Ahead of schedule. The bike lane on Modoc, please. Thank you. So how did that get done ahead of schedule? Well, God's favor. There was a lot of things that lined up to make this work. Uh, really good leadership. I've, I've read books on Nehemiah's leadership, the Nehemiah principle. It's like every 21 days, remind your troops what they're about, and what we're going. You got to inspect the walls, get, get a good view of reality. There's great leadership principles that come out of Nehemiah's deal. But here's the third one. People rebuilt parts of the wall. No angels showed up. There was no miraculous. They woke up the next morning and God rained down manna that formed in the walls. There's no miracles really here. It's just that people stood up, stepped up, and rebuilt sections of the wall. So the chapter that uh, John Ireland gives me to read this week is all literally just a record of parts of the wall and people's names. And the first time I'm reading, I'm like, seriously, Ireland? Thanks, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Super inspiring. But then it dawned on me, it is pretty inspiring. Like you read this record. Let me just read you a little bit. And this is my kindness to you. I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you, okay? But just, just parts. And I do want to show off a little bit here that I am taking an elementary Hebrew class uh, at Westmont College. And so I might just show off a little bit here, okay? 
Then Eliashib, the high priest, stood up, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. Everyone say sheep gate. There you go. They consecrated it. They set its doors. They consecrated as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel, the other way. Then the sons of Hanasah built the fish gate. Yeah. They laid its beams and set its doors and the bolts and its bars. Next to them, Merimoth, the son of Urukiah, son of Hakaz, repaired. Blah, blah, blah. Next, Joida, the son of Panaseah and Meshulam, the son of Besodiah, repaired the gate of Yashana. God bless you. Okay, next. Okay, it goes on and on. Here's my favorite one, verse 14. Malkijah, the son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hacheram. See, I'm just showing off right now. <laughs> repaired the dung gate. Watch your language, you're in church. Okay, he rebuilt it, set its doors, its bolts, its bars. You guys, that's the whole chapter. They go section by section. It's about 20 miles of wall that gets repaired. Eight different gates. How many towers? A lot of towers. I got it here somewhere. It'll, I'll tell you later when I find it. 34 towers. Okay. Uh, 2.49 miles. That's what I said. I should have said that. 12 feet high. Average eight feet thick. Just people. Just different people took on different sections of the wall and it got rebuilt. What happened after that? Well, it led to the establishment of Jerusalem again, and it led to uh, people waiting for the Messiah to come again. This is like in 444 B.C. when this gets done. And it leads to the reestablishment of the temple and worship and all this stuff, and they're waiting for the Messiah. They restored their community. And I just want to talk a little bit about restoration this morning, about brokenness and rebuilding. And I want to talk about it in two different ways. So you get two sermons for the price of one. Ladies, get in free, okay? The first one is just personally. Personally reflecting on brokenness and rebuilding. Brokenness and restoration. And by the way, if you have your Ocean Hills app uh, under the sermon notes, you can just flick through. There's, there's just pictures of the wall, like real excavated pictures of the Jerusalem wall. Um, I... I hear a lot of stories in my role as a campus pastor at Westmont. And it's really one of the great privileges I have is I get to sit with young people and they're at a stage in their life of most of them where they're starting to process uh, some of where they've come from as they're thinking about where they're going. And it's really kind of just a holy window. And some of it, they have some really hard stories. Some of the stories I've already heard this year and I just walk around and get to be with miracle people. They should have been wiped out, but they're not wiped out. But they know brokenness, and they know loss, and they know things that should not have been done to them. And it's heavy. And I think that uh, we have to think about how do we respond when there's broken things in our life. There's broken people, there's broken things, there's broken systems. Uh, Jamie always told the boys when they'd come home after somebody did something mean on the playground, hey, hurt people, hurt people. You know, that get, this, this boy's doing this to you because he's hurt. And then I'd pull them alongside and say, hurt people, hurt people, so go hurt them. All right, anyways, um, what do we do with this? Now, as God's people, we could get bitter. We could harden our hearts. We could um, just reenact what's been done to us and become people that hurt people. I've seen that a lot. 
I've worked with young people who they're, perhaps their folks are raging alcoholics, and then in their high school years, that's how they start to act. And I have this conversation with them, like, you have been the victim of this. Are you sure you want to go this direction? Because pretty soon you're going to become one who's hurting other people. And that we could do that, but God gives us a way to deal with brokenness. And it's called lament. It's a faithful way to grieve. It's actually over half of our psalms are songs of lament. Did you know that the psalms, that's like the worship book for the church for thousands of years, and over half of those songs are songs of lament. And there's a bit of a pattern there. In fact, in the sermon notes, there's a PDF you should look at later on. It's an exercise. You might want to walk through it, how to write your own lament. I think it's modeling after Psalm 71. But it goes something like this. God, you are awesome. You're phenomenal. You're big. I'm getting my head kicked in. Are you asleep? Do you see this? Are you going to do anything? I trust in you. Praise the Lord. That's a psalm of lament, and it just keeps showing up. For years, I would just call it getting Jewish in my prayers. It's like apparently God can handle great honesty. And these psalms are like, God, I love you, but man, your people are getting the snot kicked out of them. But I trust in you. I think sometimes we're too tame in our prayers. Maybe we think we have to be really Pollyannish and say, well, I trust God, so I'm not going to feel any of the feelings. Some of y'all have been done some bad, and you need to hold that before the Lord and say, Lord, I have been hurt. I lament this. This is not good. And I hope in you, because I know that I follow a God who can take even this and work it for good in my life. That's lament. It's like, this is bad, but you are good, and you will not waste this in my life. One of the Hebrew names for God, the God who wastes nothing. I love that. That's why he says, I'm working all things for good for those who love God and are called according to my purpose. He doesn't say everything that happens to you is good. I mean, that bike lane is still not done. That is not good, okay? But he says, I'm going to work everything for your good. And I've seen that. The worst in my life, the worst God has used for good and is using for good. So we lament. Uh, There was a day, uh, we'd take some furlough this last year at Westmont. I prefer to think of this as extra vacation. And uh, so I took my furlough by, some of us have been going to New Kamandali, the retreat center up in Big Sur. Anybody gone there? Yeah, okay. And um, I've always wanted to go there. Thomas Merton spent a lot of time there. And so I, I went there on the three days of silent retreat. And on one day, um, I took a hike, went all the way down to the street. Uh, and I, as soon as I got there, I thought that was a really bad idea because this is a really steep driveway up. But I came all the way back up. And at the end, there was an opportunity to turn right onto a nature trail. And so I thought, well, let's, let's keep going. So I went on the nature trail. And I was just processing. I've had, over the last couple of years, there's been some real hard things that I've walked through. I've got a lot of stuff that I've been lamenting. So I was just kind of talking to the Lord about this. And I'm walking, and it's all firescape. It's, it's a nature trail, but it's not beautiful right now because it, apparently there was a fire that came real close to the retreat center. So it's black and ashy and dirty. And I walk around this corner, and I've got a picture of this in that sermon notes if you want to see. 
But I come up to this tree, and it is a huge, like, redwood tree, but it is sheared off about 20 feet up. Like, not sawed off, just sheared off. And it is blackened. It has been, it, it is not doing well. Blackened, charred, sheared off. And I just started to weep. And I sat in front of that redwood tree and had my John Muir moment, just weeping. Like, I was thinking, I know this feeling. And as I sat there in front of the tree longer, I stared a little more, and I saw these green shoots coming out of it. And as well as I can hear the Lord, these words came to my mind, such is life. Such is life. A lot of moments that are sheared off and blackened and charred and brokenness. A lot of moments. Such is life. And there's always new life coming out. The Spirit of God is always at work. Holly Beers preached this Monday at Westmont. She said, the Spirit of God is always doing something. And I sat there and I saw the, the charred tree and I saw the green branches and I wept in sadness and joy all at the same time. God is always redeeming. He's always bringing new life. So I don't know your brokenness that you've experienced or that you will experience, but I know this. It's real. It's worth lamenting. We live in a broken world where stuff happens, and God is always redeeming. He's always bringing new life where it doesn't make any sense to bring new life. One of my favorite psalms is about trees. He's like, I'm going to put the box tree in the desert and the juniper and, and all this thing about trees that don't belong in the desert places. And it says that they may see and recognize that the hand of the Lord has done this. So God is always bringing life, even when it looks like we've lost. Amen? Okay, it's real, I'm telling you. Now, that's the personal part. Here's the second free sermon. We, as a people, not just we as a church, we as a human race, are somewhere in this process of emerging or enduring a global pandemic. This is my first global pandemic. I'm not sure how I'm doing, but this is a real deal. And this is the first thing in my life that I can think of where the entire human race is, is experiencing this. And as we're emerging, we're aware there's some brokenness. There's some rebuilding that needs to happen. A lot of my conversations with students last year were about helping them connect with other people. And some of these are the most gregarious, outgoing people you think of. We, we got some rebuilding to do in our communities, right? In our communities and also in our churches. Did you know that like at least countrywide, I'm sure worldwide, church attendance on a Sunday worship service is down. Like, you know, the global pandemic has, has really affected and not just church, any, you know, mosques, synagogues, everything. There's down. So we, I think, get to talk about what we do with this. We're rebuilding church. And I just want us to pause for a moment and say, what are we rebuilding? Because I think remodeling moments are opportunities. See, when we got a leak in our front closet years ago, that was an opportunity. And we expanded our master bathroom so that no more, when you were sitting on the can and someone opened the door, did your toes break. It was a phenomenal opportunity. We expanded the space. It was an opportunity. And I think this moment for us as a church, and I, I'm not just saying Ocean Hills. I'm talking to capital C. The people of God, this is a moment 
to think about what are we rebuilding? Do we just want to rebuild what it was 24 months ago? Or is this an opportunity for us to reshuffle the deck and think about what it means to be a people of faith, a people belonging to Christ, moving out in his name, doing kingdom stuff? I just want to think about that for a few minutes. I mean, here's the first thing we're rebuilding. When the pandemic went away, Ocean Hills, we wisely let go of our lease of the loft. Now we're emerging out of this season and we have just purchased a building on the corner of Coda and Carrillo, right? right? Is that right? Anacapa and Carrillo? Yeah, there we go. Anacapa and Carrillo. Awesome. So the first thing we should rebuild, I'm just saying, if this is your church, you should all, we should all participate in that. That is a place that we're going to use for stuff we're doing and I'll get to it, but, and it should benefit Santa Barbara. Whatever we do there should benefit the city and the community. So let's dream big. Let's, let's get your name uh, somewhere in the, in the record that says, yeah, I, I helped re- rebuild this. This is just what we do. We don't have any government grants. There's no big covenant in the sky that says, bless you, here's 20 million, whatever. Okay, that doesn't happen. But the second thing that we need to think about rebuilding is our form like, what do we look like? What do we, how, how are we structured? How do we think about this? And maybe it's good that I'm not a pastor on this staff. So you can call me a heretic or John can never ask me to speak again. But I just think we should think about what's, what do we exist for? Let's make sure that we're structured around that. It's an opportunity to remodel. You know, Nehemiah took a lap around the walls, chapter 2, at night And he got a picture of the reality. Here's some of the reality we should think about. Half of all young people come from broken families. We ought to be in the business of restoring people to family. That should be one of our functions. Rob talked about it earlier. We get to be a family. I love the family of God. I belong to you. You've been the biggest gift in my life, the family of God. How do we put people in family? How do we restore people? I just saw something this morning in the news. 30% of people are in an estranged relationship in their family, like not on speaking terms. It's a lot of people. How do we be people of reconciliation and restoration? That's one of our functions. How does our existence as Ocean Hills in this community lead to Santa Barbara thriving? I love the thing that we've done at Franklin where Natalie works where somehow we got the news that they needed help with literacy, and people in this body said, we can do that. And our existence has led to the blessing of a community that now is experiencing their education differently. Am I overstating anything, Natalie? That's true, right? We're doing a good job? It was true before COVID. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm saying we've been doing this for a while. Yeah, but COVID has dinged that. It's hard to get on campus. Okay, thank you. Here's another way of saying that. If we were gone, if the pandemic closed Ocean Hills, would Santa Barbara notice? That's a good question for us to kick around, right? That's a mission question. What's our mission in this community? Here's another penetrating question. If our prayers were answered, would it just be that our life is better or would people in our community's lives be better? Why do we exist? Why do we gather? Why are we here? What are we doing? And I'm not talking about the staff of the church, something is we outsource. I'm talking about you and I. 
We belong to each other. We're a community of Christ followers here. How do we express that for the benefit of Santa Barbara? I think that one of the things we ought to think about is not just rebuilding a building. Let that just be the tip of the iceberg that we see. Let's do it. And let's let that stand for rebuilding a movement. Not just a building in this town, but a movement. We just had a Santa Barbara Sending Conference up at uh, Westmont last weekend. It's incredible. I was, I'm just was so inspired by hearing from people who have been spread out all over the world, sharing the kingdom of God and bringing light and salt wherever they were. It was just, I just am fired up by this. And one of the guys we heard from is a guy named Jim Yost who's been in Papua New Guinea for 40 years, 20 of those living in the jungle, just wearing a swimsuit, just living. Raised his daughters, his wife there, just living there and uh, translating the scriptures for those people and seeing entire movements of people coming to faith and it's stopping wars and it's just been beautiful. But he talked about a movement. Here's a couple things that he shared that I want us to consider. Matthew 10, 8, Jesus is sending out the 12 and he says, I want you to go preach the kingdom and preach the gospel and heal people and cast out evil. And he says this to his disciples, freely you've received, freely give. Just think about that. What have you received from God? You and I are meant to be like an electric fence. Like we're just conduits. It's coming into us and it's going out of us. Freely we've received, freely we give. That's just who we are. That's inherently what we are. I preached on Friday up at, up at chapel the fact that Jesus tells us we're salt and light. And salt is meant to be used liberally and get out and bring flavor and, and restore. And light penetrates darkness. It doesn't wait for it. Light goes. That's why Jesus said the gates of hell won't prevail against my people. Because we go into dark places. And so the question is, freely you've received. Are you freely giving away? Are we looking for opportunity to give? So the second one is, uh, I'm going to change this word because I like it. Uh, he said insane evangelists. Yeah, we've seen some of those. So let's use the word, a better word, indefatigable. Everyone say that. It's just fun to say. A lot of syllables and sounds. Indefatigable. Evangelists. That means that we're just looking for opportunities all the time to talk about what God is doing in our life, in our community, in the world. What if everybody in this courtyard every day took, found an opportunity to talk about what God is doing? You don't have to study anything except your own life. Just what is He doing? Where is He active? Because that's what salt and light does. It gets out there and flavors the community. I think we would be really good news to Santa Barbara. I think that maybe, I know this about myself, I've, I have a new prayer every morning. Lord, every day would you bring an opportunity that I will recognize where I can talk about you. Might be to a brother or sister. It might be to somebody who doesn't know you. I'm just available. I really want to see you work. I don't want to get constipated with good news. I want... Whatever you're calling into me, I want it coming out. Mark, you might want to cut that out in post-production editing. Okay. Third thing is passion for the lost. I think everything we should do as a church should be for the benefit 
a people that don't know Christ. Because we actually will grow, we'll get encouraged. There's nothing like watching somebody come to understand who they are as a child of God and grow in that. There's nothing like it. I think we should benefit the people in our community that don't know them. Another characteristic of a movement is obedience-based discipleship, not knowledge-based discipleship. Ouch. Obedience-based disciple. Here's a little math for us. What does the number three and the number 260 have in common? The number three is the number of times that the word Christian is used in the New Testament. Three. And it just it was grabbing for a term to describe this new sect of Jews that were following Jesus. 260 is the number of times that the word mathetes is used. Disciple, follower, apprentice. And as we like to say around here all the time, followers of Jesus, follow Jesus. So if you're, let's, let's stop calling ourselves Christians and let's be disciples. That's my uncomfortable word to myself this morning and to you, you know. Comfort the afflicted, afflict the comfortable. You're welcome. His last thing about a movement. So he says, first, you know, freely you've received, freely give. Indefatigable evangelist, passion for the lost, obedience-based discipleship. Teach people how to follow Jesus and study the scriptures together. Study the scriptures together. I think this opportunity as we emerge or endure this pandemic is we get to redefine what church is and what disciple is. We get to reshuffle it and look at it. Now, did you know that here at Ocean Hills that we are a part of the Evangelical Covenant Church? Did you know that? Some of you are like, oh, yeah, of course. Some of you are like, what? Is that a cult? What is that? Yeah, it's a denomination. It's a gathering of people from all around the world that you know, we, we belong to each other. Do you know our first name? Mission Friends. That's what we called ourselves, mission friends. I think we might want to go back and reclaim that. That's who we are. We are mission friends. We belong to each other in community, but we're, we don't just gather to gather. We gather because we're part of a movement. We're on mission together. It's inherently who we are. It is our identity. You, sir, are salt. You, ma'am, are light. You are my sister, and you are on mission. That's who we are, mission friends. I don't think Jesus needs a new definition of what church and disciple is. I think this is an opportunity for us to think about who we are and what we do. We're rebuilding. It's time to rebuild. It'll be messy. We may fail, we may try something and it won't work, and I think God will stand up and applaud and go, keep going. This church needs a skunk works. Let's keep trying stuff. What's going to fit now in this context? What does it look like for kingdom light and salt to get out there? You know, and I just want to claim it right now. John, I want the dung gate, okay? I want the Lysaia dung gate. We want to take the dung gate. I don't know what that means, but we're in, okay? Double dungs, we're in. Someone had to do it, like, let's let it be us. Get, let's get our name on the record in this rebuilding time and be open. So let me just pray for us. Father, thank you for um, your word that, 
somehow directs us and steers us and corrects us. And thank you even for the strange chapter of Nehemiah, just a list of people and projects. Lord, let that have its effect on our hearts this morning. If I've said anything that is just from me, I pray that it would evaporate. But Lord, whatever is from you and your spirit this morning, would you let that get into us? Let it stir us up as we as a community think about what you're doing in our midst. I pray we have open hearts and open hands. Say, Lord, we're aware of you, we're available to you, and we will be obedient to you, whatever you direct us toward. Direct us toward brokenness and broken places that we might come in and share the great news of Jesus everywhere. For your glory. Amen. So good. We're going to sing this song called Canvas and Clay. It's about how wherever we are, God is always shaping and molding us. So let, let us sing that and let's just stew in what we just heard from Scott. Um, and ask God as you sing, like, who, who are you shaping me into? What, what is the mold that you're hoping for me? What, how are you moving the wheel around me? If, I, if I'm clay and you're a potter, um, I welcome you to do that, Jesus. That's my prayer right now. Mold us. We know you're not done with us. Feel free to stand and sing with me. In my mother's Formed me with your hands, known and loved by you. For I took a breath when I doubted, Lord, remind me I'm wonderfully made. You're an artist and a potter, I'm the canvas and the clay. You make all things. Work together for my future and for my good. You make all things work together for your glory and for your
Thank you that we can build our lives on you. Thank you that you can bring us out of ashes, give us beauty. God, thank you that you can, you can rebuild. You can transform, you can terraform, you can just move things around so that we are oriented in this loving posture of this open arm Christ posture, God. May we build our lives on that kind of love, that kind of self-sacrificial love, that kind of forgiving love, that kind of going beyond all boundaries love. Let's sing about that. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever bring, we live for you. Jesus, Jesus, a name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you, oh, we live for you, holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you, open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and love to those around me worthy of every song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever breathe live for you oh we live for you jesus jesus the name above every other name jesus the only one who could ever save worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for
like you there is none beside you open up my eyes in wonder show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me to those around me Lord Fun to see the kids come back in. I love it when the Word of God does the work of God in our hearts. And uh, even though we laugh about reading through Nehemiah chapter 3, I, wanna, I want you to open up your Bibles this afternoon. I want you to go in there. As Scott was, was speaking this morning, I just underlined in my Bible in Nehemiah 3, 26 times it says, next to them, next to him, next to, next to, next to, next to. Reminding us, we're in it together. That's the message. We're better together. What a powerful word, Scott. Thank you so much. Just touched me, inspired me. As we send you out, uh, three things that I want to just uh, send you out with. Number one, some of you have been asking, so how do, we, how do we know how to participate in this building project? How do you sit down with your spouse or, or your family or whatever? Uh, I'll just give you, here's the question Natalie and I asked each other. If the Irelands, if we participate in this and if, if everybody at Ocean Hills participated and gave and sacrificed at the level that we're going to, would Ocean Hills be a healthy church? That's the question to ask. It's not about how much. The scriptures don't call us to equal amount. It calls us to equal sacrifice and participation. So the question, the gut check is, for you, just like for me, if everybody else were to give at that level, would this be a healthy church? Would we be thriving and flourishing? Would, be, would we be under-resourced? Uh, or would we be flourishing in terms of God's provision? So that's number one. Number two, if you're new today, we're doing Meet the Family in the back of the courtyard right after today. You're invited to stick around. We've got a little lunch. Get a chance to meet some of the staff. We'll tell you about our core values, our mission, and uh, have a little chance to get acquainted and so even if you didn't sign up for that, you're invited to stick around. I know, I think, I think we got 12 families that signed up and uh, we'll be meeting you back here. And then the third thing is it's not too late to jump into life groups and or our emotionally healthy spirituality course class. If you haven't taken it, it's just such a foundational class about how to engage and encounter and experience God through spiritual practices and habits and reflection to slow down in your life in order to seek and connect deeply with God. So check out the on the app or on our website, you can great, get more information. You guys have been uh, just an awesome church family to worship with this morning. I love listening to your voices as we sing. And I love, I love the word today. And I'm just so grateful that we have a guy like Scott Lasea, who's part of our board, our leadership team as well 
Thank you, Scott. God bless you for your faithfulness and your courage in bringing God's word today. So awesome. We like to say God is good all the time. He really is bigger and better than we think. Go read, go read Nehemiah 3 this afternoon. God bless you. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.